can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hello, everyone. Uh, Rudy just disappeared. Oh, there you are. Welcome to the Talking Pools podcast. I am Andrea, and Rudy's here. <laughs> I am here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hello. Hello, Andrea. Yes, we're reading you loud and clear. Sir. Yes. All right. It is. It's Christmas Eve. I love Christmas Eve. And we're going to have a good show for you. Hopefully, it's a good show. Yeah, it's always a good show. You'll like it. We're going to talk a lot about alum, aluminum sulfate, the magic dust. Mm, yeah, I love it. It's tasty. So, <laughs> so everybody, again, you know, thanks for tuning in with us. We definitely appreciate you. And as always, uh, if you guys have any questions, please, 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 please email them to us at talkingpools at gmail.com. And with that said, we spoke about Joel Thompson uh, last week. He's over uh, in Hokulia Pools, and we thought he was in mm -hmm. Hawaii. He was actually born in Hawaii, but his business is in actually it's actually in San Jose, so I wanted to clear that up a little bit. But ready? Uh, are you ready? Nice. Are you ready to talk about Alum? I, let's do it. Let's go. What are the current uses today for aluminum sulfate, aside from swimming pools? Pickles. It is an ingredient in pickles. In fact, in pickle juice... You can buy it in the store as well. You can just buy it. I have some. The dose in pickle juice is 110 parts per million. You can buy it in the stores, you said? Yes, you can buy it in the store. Uh, McCormick, in the, in the spice section, it's a McCormick. Right in your grocery store spice aisle, McCormick's... And they just have it as alum, but it's aluminum sulfate. Okay. What else? Um, let's see. I remember seeing it used in witchcraft for some reason. <laughs> makeup? Makeup, yes. Is it makeup? Which, wait, makeup is witchcraft. It is on Tinder. <laughs> oh, on TikTok, though. Have you seen some of those videos? Oh I don't, goodness. you know, I, I honestly um, don't know what anybody looks like anymore between all the filters and such that they have out there. <laughs> the makeup, the makeup TikTok videos are awesome. Our friend Brittany. Yes, Brittany Pine. Right, over in. She, I believe, is in Spring Hill. And she is she in Spring has Hill? She has a spa now. She has uh -huh. a, yeah, she does. She was a pool girl. She does. Yes, she was. She was. I know. She's still. I certified her. She's one of my CPOs. I was going to say, yeah. She does the best horror movie makeup. Oh, I know. She'll yes, do the sure. whole how-to video, the whole transformation, and come up with the most mystical, magical creatures. Which I think is she used totally to do, fabulous. Yeah. 
It is. She used to do Facebook live videos and uh, I used to sit and watch them. But now she has a spa yeah. and she does makeup and I think she uh -huh. tattoos makeup on also. I, yeah. Um, well, she does the microblading and she does lashes and stuff like that. So I don't, I think it's slightly different. But. So anyway, shout out to our friend Brittany and the name of her spa. Beauty by Brit, I believe. Beauty by Brit. There you go. Used to be a pool girl. Once you're a pool girl, you're always a pool girl as far as we're concerned. <laughs> so you're still in the family. For sure. But um, yeah, so now she's doing really, really well over there. But yes, you're right. So makeup is some type of witchery, but they do use aluminum sulfate <laughs> in makeup. They also use it as an ingredient in fire extinguishers. Which type of makeup, Rudy? I know. Do you think I do I look like I know makeup types? <laughs> what kind of makeup? <laughs> that would be well, a great question for Brittany. Why don't everybody make an appointment ooh. at her salon and while you're sitting there? <laughs> it's an ingredient in fire extinguishers. Okay. They use it in hospitals as a blood coagulant. Okay. They do. They use it to treat ponds and stuff like that. Ponds and lakes, absolutely. That's one of the things that it's still used for today. Do you know the proven track history this product has? Not off the top of my head. So it's something today we still eat. We said that. But this product can actually be dated back to 1500 BC, uses in Egypt, where they actually talk about this in hieroglyphics in some pyramid somewhere. They found that they used this product to set dye, in material to tan leather, but also to make their water potable. Huh. Potable? 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 Drinkable. Like... <laughs> Drink that shit. <laughs> it's like data so, and data. The same thing in Rome in that same time frame. Cool. 1500 BC, they also have evidence this product was there. Now, neither society actually had a name for the product, but we know it's the same thing because they both described it exactly the same way. Plus, we know there was that transfer of information between Rome and Egypt back at that time. So we have have that. It wasn't actually until 67 AD when this guy named Pliny the Elder sat down to write his book of natural history up to that point in time where he gave the product a name and he called it Alumen. Oh, nice. And Alumen later became Aluminium, which in the United States in the early 30s, it became aluminum. What did the Egyptians call it? It's uh. <laughs> not Egyptian. Do I look like I talk like an Egyptian? Well, I don't know. Do, 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 you don't know do, what kind of makeup do, do, do. it is, and you don't know what the Egyptians called it. Jesus Christ, Rudy. They did not call it Jesus Christ, Rudy. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank you. So aluminum, which is still what the rest of the world calls it, because we only call it aluminum in the U.S. Sadly, Pliny the Elder was killed trying to save people only three years later when the volcanoes erupted into Pompeii. Pompeii. Uh, right? That's interesting. It is. Yeah. So, but his book somehow survived. Cool. First century AD, there's evidence that Greeks used to mine aluminum sulfate <laughs> and sell it into the Middle East. So those folks could use it to make their water potable. Mine it? Yeah, like they dug it up. Mm, cool. Like from mining? And... Is it like a... Is it like a, is it, is it processed? 1500 BC. Like, can you just dig up a chunk of it? Like a, like a rock or you have to like. 1500 BC. Mm, cool. First century AD also ancient Chinese medicine using aluminum sulfate. Here, I got a name for you. They actually called it Min Fan. Ooh which was their word for alum, and they would eat it. It had medicinal properties. Okay. Then they would also take it and stir it into huge barrels. Why are you making a face? We eat it. You just said McCormick sells it. 
They just don't call it min fan. Maybe. Yeah, in- I know, but I'm just thinking of how people eat. Um, some people eat uh, DE powder. Because that's totally the same. It could be. It is, I guess. I don't know. We'll have to check that out. It's a pool chemical that people ingest. On next week's you know? next week That's episode, going. we're going to have filter media that you can eat. Cartridges, sand, and DE. Mm-mm, <laughs> good. Getting down at the SCP. Going to get me some of that buffet. Don't eat pool That's, chemicals. Uh, it's all silica, and it's all bad for you. Except for bicarb. You could eat bicarb. Back That's totally to this. fine. Back- also... The pool salt, you can eat that Min too. fun, <laughs> that's what they call it. So, And what they would do is take it and stir it okay. into barrels and then just let it settle overnight and then drink the water from the surface. So we are using, when you use aluminum sulfate in a swimming pool, you're using a product that has been used in water treatment since 1500 BC. Do you know how long ago that was? No, I do not. It was a long time ago. <laughs> that's when it was. So what, it's like 36, 3700 years ago? 1500 BC. Yeah, I don't know. A long time. I mean, that's a proven track history. And guess what? Another major use that we didn't discuss was that your municipality uses it to treat water when they pull it from the reservoir in the United States today. And the benefits are that it will drop out everything out of solution if it's used in the correct dose even itself it will drop itself out as well that is also a major benefit because when you add the aluminum to the water as long as we vac it to waste properly there'll be no aluminum left in the water because it will drop itself out we're going to talk about that too so they use it because it will drop out arsenic phosphates Hmm. giardia Mm. cryptosporidium oh wow and a whole slew of other stuff that are in that water before they take it and treat it further so When you treat a swimming pool with aluminum sulfate, you're not treating it with aluminum sulfate for the first time, that water, unless it came from a well. But if it comes from a municipality, you're just treating it again. I see. Wait a minute. In what only can be described as an act of lunacy, PoolMagazine.com has given the Talking Pools podcast a reoccurring column in both its print and digital publications. You heard that right, PoolMagazine.com, the industry trade mag with a fresh new format has given a column to the unorthodox East Coast podcast, known as Talking Pools. PoolMagazine.com, known for keeping a finger on the pulse of the industry and the Talking Pools podcast, with its edgy morning radio show style format, have teamed up to provide you with the best possible swimming pool trade experience. Now don't tell me you're taking all this seriously. So why would we use aluminum sulfate in a swimming pool? Um, well, like you said, uh, phosphates, it removes, it will, um, doesn't it lower cyanuric acid as well? It does remove phosphates almost as good as lanthanum. Almost. Do you- but there's a big difference. What's the difference between alum or aluminum sulfate? We call it alum between alum and lanthanum. <sighs> the cost? The cost difference, you're correct, it's huge. Doesn't take, it actually takes four times more alum to remove the same amount of phosphate as as lanthanum. But pool professionals are buying aluminum sulfate for pennies per pound. Wow. I mean, I don't want to go blow anybody's cover here because it does take effort and you got to pay for the knowledge. But treatment, that stuff's expensive. Aluminum sulfate is very, very inexpensive in comparison to lanthanum. And even the fact that it takes four times more still saves you a shit ton over using a product that has lanthanum in it. 
And you still have to vacuum to waste both things anyway, so it's not. You do. Did, did my hand? Did my hand over my mouth? That up. Sorry. Um, you still have to vacuum. <laughs> you still have to vacuum to waste whether you whether you use the lanthanum or aluminum sulfate. So that doesn't really affect anything. Correct. Well, you have you have more to vacuum to waste if you use alum, just simply because everything's going to settle on the floor. Mm everything's yeah. when you use lanthanum you have a little bit that precipitates out onto the floor and where does the rest go in the filter and now you have to do filter maintenance right you have to backwash mm -hmm. yep is this like a one-shot backwash and you're done um it, sometimes i mean it depends on how bad it was i mean usually could it take repeated doses of product and repeated backwashing to get this phosphate level solved uh yes for sure because especially if you, um, especially if you get, if you don't test it correctly or you get a, a you know, a inaccurate reading because there's algae present or something like that, and you don't treat it for, you know, if you underdose your treatment, then yes, it would definitely require more treatments after that. More. And we've, we've, we've already spoken about labor. the importances of <laughs> why phosphate levels are not desired, right? Why we don't want to have a high phosphate level in another episode. And I'll throw the number of that episode in here. So I don't want to revisit, I don't want to revisit that today because it's a, another long topic, but I'd like to stay on this one. So we can use it to remove phosphates. You mentioned cyanuric acid. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but before we get to cyanuric acid, what's another good use of aluminum sulfate? Stain, stain removal. Stain removal? I was going to ask about metals. Does it remove metals? Yes, it removes copper staining really, really well, actually. Cool. You know, we carry around, most pool professionals carry around with them vital of uh, vitamin C tablets. Yes. They carry it in their acid. glove box. Tablets, not capsules, because the tablets are pretty, or are, are ascorbic acid. That's what vitamin C pretty much is, right? Yeah. So when we go to a pool, if we see a brown stain in the pool, it's usually one of two things. It's either some organic or it's due to iron in the water. And we already know that iron can get in the water a multitude of different ways. So what we do before we decide to treat the pool with ascorbic acid, can you take us through it? Um, no, I've never actually done a, an ascorbic acid treatment. So what we do... Don't you have to make sure there's... You have to make sure... That, <laughs> you got to make... There's, you, ha, you can't have chlorine in the water or you have to have a low chlorine, right? Yeah, but I want to start with the tablet. So when we think oh. that we might have, when we think that we might have iron stains in the pool before we commit to the ascorbic acid treatment, because it's pretty involved and it's pretty expensive, right? We mm -hmm. don't want to just, I mean, it's not thousands of dollars, but still, I don't want to do it if it's not going to be a benefit. We can actually test it to see if it works. And the way we do that is we take a oh. vitamin C tablet, <laughs> rub it on one of the little spots, right? One of this brown stains. If the stain removes or lightens, I know the ascorbic acid treatment will work in the pool. So then we roll forward with that. If the stain doesn't lighten or doesn't remove or doesn't even lighten a little bit, or then I know it's not going to work. Didn't you, isn't there a thing about that? Or, it, okay, so it didn't turn, I was thinking of something else, sorry. So if you put that in and it doesn't react, then you don't need to go through with the ascorbic acid treatment because it's not. Yeah, you'd be help. wasting your yeah. time and wasting your money, right? So here's the thing. Ascorbic acid works great at removing iron stains, and that's why we use it to treat for iron stains. It does not work so great for removing copper stains. Copper stains. <laughs> copper stains can be a little harder okay. to do. 
Yes, staining from copper. It can be a little bit more difficult to diagnose because copper can come in so many different colors. You can see it yes. in black, blue, teal, yep. greenish, right? The staining. But aluminum works extremely well at removing copper stains, and it gets a little bit into the reactivity series of metals. Aluminum is more reactive than copper. So because it's more reactive than copper, it's, uh, aluminum's higher up on the scale. Because it's more reactive than copper, it can actually displace copper. Okay. So by adding aluminum to the water, we actually take the staining out. All you do there is sprinkle just a little bit right over the copper stain. And within seconds, and you've seen this, mm -hmm. within seconds, it removes that staining. You've seen the demonstration I've done with cupric oxide, right? That's with the black staining. Yes. Maybe that's what you were talking about I, a minute maybe, ago. I think so. So if, if you have copper in the water and you toss in a dose of calcium hypochlorite, it's not uncommon that you'll get black blotchy staining on the floors and wall of the pool. So if you were to sprinkle a little bit of aluminum sulfate over that, it will be gone within about 60 seconds. Oh, I have a quick question for you. So if you don't mind, yes. would this work? All right. Is this a scenario where this would work? Okay. So for once, for once I have a relevant uh, scenario. Only 30 episodes. <laughs> okay. So I had somebody call me today and ask me, um, so I guess they were doing a startup. Now there's a bunch, there's a couple different companies involved. I'm not just going to lay out. So just they, okay. So anyway, so they were doing a startup on the pool. The homeowner left the hose on in the pool, okay, for like seven hours, overflowed the pool, so messed up all the startup chemicals. So then somebody else goes and puts in a bunch of, I guess they put in a jug and a half of chlorine, of liquid chlorine. So, you know, a jug being two and a half gallons each. Um, so they put in the chlorine, and I guess when they did that, the excuse me, the alkalinity was at 30. So then a few hours later, there was black staining all over the pool. And this was homeowners that did this? Well, the homeowner is the one that put the hose in the pool and overflowed the pool. And then, you know, a service company did the chlorine dose and then it turned black after they added the chlorine. And like I said, when they, the alkalinity was 30. So that would be a reaction. Would that would the alum take care of that black staining from that? And also, what caused that? Well, the black staining is most likely cupric oxide when from a copper level in the water. It's a degradation reaction where you end up with cupric oxide, which is that black blotchy staining after the chlorine's added. Okay. Which cupric oxide is insoluble, so it precipitates out right? We were talking about precipitating things from the water earlier. So it precipitates out and settles to the floor and it just readily stains. Okay. So, so by adding aluminum sulfate, the aluminum in the aluminum sulfate would displace the aluminum or excuse me, displace the copper lifting the stain. Okay. So now that, that, so you're saying, so there would have had to have been copper present in the water. Yes. For that to have happened because apparently the stain was, um, more highly concentrated where the chlorine, like, you know, was dumped in and oh, added. Exactly. And that's exactly okay. what you would see in any pool where you have a copper level if you added a dose, a large dose of chlorine in a small area. So if Even the alkalinity, if, sorry, if there was a heater and the alkalinity was that low and somebody didn't bypass the heater or something like that, that could be where the 
copper came from? Most likely it could be from, I mean, if it's a commercial pool, it could be from a brass impeller. It could be from any brass no, components of the system because it was copper, a residential. copper is a component of brass. So when people forget about that too, when you get iron staining, they don't realize that iron is used in the manufacture of stainless steel. So your light ring, your ladders, any of those things uh. could contribute to an iron level in the water if the pool water is not taken care of properly. We have those uses. So aluminum sulfate or just buy, you know what? And if you're listening at home, because we don't want you to overdo it, when you add aluminum sulfate to the water, you end up with a flock that needs to be vacuumed to waste. We know this, right? So go to McCormick's or go to McCormick's. <laughs> I'm here at McCormick's. Go to your grocery I like store. I would like a bunch of alum, please. Go to your grocery store. That's enough, right? If you have a small copper stain, go to, <laughs> you know, we use a small bottle of vitamin C tablets. There's no reason we need to think we need to have more alum on really? hand than that. So you could just go and buy that little tiny jar of alum and sprinkle that over a stain. Yes. Would that even be enough to get down to the deep end Depend then? Yes. And it depends on the size of the stain. Just pour it all slowly okay. and in one spot. It will, con I mean, you know how that works when you're trying to pour something through water and have it land on something. It's a little bit yeah, tougher. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta aim it. Yeah. So that's a little bit more of a challenge, but you don't want to go out with a full blown alum treatment for a stain removal because then what you're doing is guaranteeing that you're going to have to vac to waste. And if you don't uh. vac to waste, we also don't want to have a large aluminum level in the water, which we could easily do if we added aluminum sulfate and didn't vacuum it out. I see. That makes a lot of sense. The EPA does have a secondary contaminant level recommendation of 0.2 parts per million for aluminum in water, which means a secondary contaminant um, labeling means that it's not something that they monitor. It's not something that's regulated. It's just a very strong recommendation. And the reason they have that there is simply for taste and odor. That's it. Hmm. That's all they're concerned with. I know years and years ago, back in the 60s, they started this fear that aluminum was related to Alzheimer's, that it could cause Alzheimer's. Yes. I think that's still, that's still a and fear. And they've even had different points in history where people would not drink from aluminum cans in fear of getting mm. Alzheimer's from the aluminum that was used to make the can. But now... It is widely accepted that this is caused by some gene in the human body and not by aluminum. I see. To your point before, you asked me if aluminum could, if aluminum sulfate could even flock out the aluminum. Yeah. That's exactly what it does. Because when you add that to the water through several chemical reactions, what you end up with is aluminum hydroxide. Aluminum hydroxide is the flock. That's what is insoluble and settles to the floor in that kind of like a sludge. Right. It's the best yeah. word to describe it, a thick sludge Good. on the floor. That's a metallic hydroxide. It's aluminum hydroxide, and it catches everything with it on the way down. So we're using that aluminum to settle. That sludge on the floor contains our aluminum. And then it In sees fact, itself out. In fact, we've run tests. Say again? I said, and then it sees itself out. Then it sees itself out. Well, you vacuum it to waste, well, so it kind of sees I mean, itself you know. out. It, it sees itself to a nice pile on the floor. It's down at the bottom of the floor for you there to vacuum, or there for you to vacuum. But myself and other folks so. have gone out of our way to test the water for aluminum following treatments using aluminum sulfate. I was sulfate. just about to ask you that, because of course you would test. We have, and in every case, 
we have come up with levels lower than the 0.2 maximum that the EPA has as their unregulated recommendation, just because of odor and such like we talked about. And in fact, in most cases, it's zero. In almost all cases, it's zero parts per million aluminum content after we've done a flock. And even in a heavy amount where, because one of the things you didn't mention was the green to clean, mm. right? And we're using a lot. Yeah, that's a we good use one. a lot of aluminum sulfate. That's a good one. I right. started during the recession, the last one, 2008, 2009. I did a ton of foreclosed homes. I took care of the pools. Mm -hmm. They're REO properties, which is real estate owned, REO, real estate owned properties. So the bank owns them. The real estate owns them. Either way, they would go out to bid and look for people to come out and fix these pools because it's really hard to sell a house, even if it's a foreclosed home with a solid green swamp in the backyard. They would reach out. <laughs> go, did you have a question, an interjection? Uh, no, I, was, did, I had an interjection. The word I was just going to say that- remind you of something? Well, <laughs> well, no. But I was going to say that I, <laughs> I had somebody hit me up on Facebook that um, they were about to move into a foreclosed home. And I went there and, oh my goodness, the water level in the pool was- halfway so like i think like just the bottom step was underwater and then it was like you know the rest of the way it was a real small kidney shaped pool maybe like ten thousand gallons so anyway but the water was clear but the algae growth on the wall was like three inches it was like seaweed it was insane and i actually i have pictures of it somewhere where it almost looks furry yeah you walk up and you're like oh my god look at this green pool and then you go wait a minute the water's clear <laughs> and then you can see like the water you know the seaweed moving seaweed <laughs> the kelp <laughs> the pool kelp <laughs> <laughs> it worked really well because not a lot of people were using alum back then a lot more use it now and i think m maybe i have a role in that i know our friend john pomey he definitely has a role in that yes. he's a big fan of alum but I would be approached by these companies and want me to come out and take a look at these pools. And I was competing head to head against all the people who were going to drain the pool and then pressure wash it, acid wash it, whatever, and refill it. So I came in at the same exact price as they did, but I was going to use alum. So I was telling these realtors, yeah, I'm going to be at the same price, but we don't have to drain and refill the pool. Well, and because, the process. Uh, sorry to interrupt there. Not, oh, well, sorry, not sorry. Um, because the refilling the pool is pretty expensive. So I imagine that's not included in anybody's drain and refill treatment. No. You know, it's it's actually not that expensive it's when not? you're only dealing with one. No, not really. Water's not expensive. When, and especially when you're only dealing with one pool. Oh, but oh, now I've these places that. For a whole week before, I beg to differ, sir. Water's not expensive. <laughs> Zephyr Hills is expensive. I've left water running. Water out of your tap. Yeah, but. They charge, it's in a, it's in a gated community. So like certain, like it does, they, they charge different. Anyway. Nope. All right, whatever. No. Okay. It's not. Nope. nope. It's not. Not expensive. Okay. It's not expensive at all. So unless you're dealing with hundreds of pools or hundreds of thousands of gallons of water, like this 70,000 gallon catastrophe you had this weekend, <laughs> that's going to have a little bit of a price tag to it. Plus then all the chemicals to rebalance that water is going to be a cost. I think that's why but, she's trying to blame it on me because she doesn't want to pay that. But you're chemicals. right though. <laughs> But, but you're right, though. The real estates and the banks looked at this like, this is great. We found somebody where we don't have to drain and refill the pools. And they're thinking in their head, hundreds of pools. And that is a big cost. Mm -hmm. 
So the process, it's very particular, aluminum sulfate is. And I'll we'll start off first with this one. A lot of folks say that your pH needs to be high to use aluminum sulfate. I was just going to gonna ask. I've only used this one time and it worked for me. So go ahead, continue. It will work at a high pH. It will also work at a low pH. Mm, okay. In fact, it will work at any range within your acceptable range, 7.2 to 7.8. I like 7.0. I like the water to be neutral. The big difference here, and in fact, alum will actually work at a P from a pH of 4.5 all the way up to 8.5. The difference is the amount of aluminum sulfate that you'll use and the amount of time it takes for the flock to form and drop. Um, at a lower pH, you will require less product and the flock will form and drop more quickly. Okay. So that makes if you're sense. doing it at a higher pH, it's just going to take longer and it requires more product. The benefit of a high pH, aluminum sulfate is a little bit acidic, so it's going to cause your pH to drop in either scenario. If you start out with your pH high, you'll be a lot closer to the correct range than you would have if you started out with the pH low. I like the pH low because that's where the aluminum sulfate is at its most effective point. Now, it does also require... Uh, water temperature greater than 70 degrees. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of folks who have tried it at temperatures lower than 70 degrees. The results have been all over the place. Greater than 70 degrees, it always works well. Okay. Basically, I would show up, test my pH. I want to get it to 7.0. I make that adjustment. I want my total alkalinity to be right around 100, 90 to 100 parts per million. I want my water temperature 70 or better. I turn the pump on. I set it so that it runs only for two hours. This is after I have put my valve into recirculate. If it's a sand filter or DE filter, if it's a cartridge filter, I've taken the element out and I've reassembled it completely without the element inside because I do not want to run the aluminum sulfate through my filter media at all. It will be mm. near impossible to get out. It can be done, but it's it's a chore. Worse than uh, worse than the phosphate fallout situation worse than the phosphate fallout yes so then i'm going to set my pump to run for two hours and turn off because i want the water to circulate i want it to get mixed through and all i do there is really just pull out the yellow dial and turn the time clock and pop it back in take off the on tripper so that way the next time the pump comes on is because i turned it on not because it came on by itself wait sorry say that again you let it run for how long two hours okay, and then so it shuts it off Gotcha. And then I make okay. it so it doesn't come back on again by itself. I so I just take the on-tripper off. And I just leave that in the bottom of the time clock box. Then I, I broadcast my dose of aluminum sulfate. Four to six pounds per 10,000 gallons evenly across the surface of the pool, depending on how bad the swamp is. Okay. Then I leave. So if it's like super green, super green, you want to Super green, that? I'm coming in at six pounds per 10,000 gallons. Pretty green, I'm coming in at, at four like pounds Ruby per 10,000 gallons. Like who? Like Ruby Rod. Ru I don't know what the f*** that is. So You've never seen the fifth element? Super green? Red green? Cormor Dallas? No? Anyway. Lulu Dallas multipass? Come on. These people are, are, the people that know what I'm talking about are screaming at you right now. And the people who are like me that think <laughs> that, you know, the word Baker Act may have came up once or twice regarding you. Woo! So let's see. So, and if you're not, <laughs> and if you're not, but if you're not in Rudy, Florida, Baker Act, movie I'm talking about. in California, <laughs> they call that 5150. Is it not correct? So anyway. I don't know. That's being held on a mental review. I think that's what it is. There's a Van Halen album named after it. Anyway, the whole point here. You can is Baker that Act yourself too, fun fact. If it is. <laughs> 
not green enough to warrant an alum treatment, then by all means, treat it quickly. But if you're dealing with a swamp, don't mess around. Pull out the big guns. Use aluminum sulfate because you do this short amount of time, right, that we just talked about. I talked about what? Maybe a 20-minute process? Well, on my initial I mean, visit, you have to vacuum to waste. It, you, you yeah, have but to we're not up to, to that yet. Anyway. You're driving to do- me nuts. All right. So listen, oh, 20 minutes on site the first day, right? I adjust <laughs> my pH, my total alkalinity, set my filter to run for two hours without the element in it, broadcast my aluminum sulfate evenly across the surface, four to six pounds per 10,000 gallons, and then I leave. So that's what? 20 minutes. Okay. Right? Yes. The next day I come back and now I do a slow vac to waste, but I don't use the homeowner's equipment. I don't use the pool's equipment. I bring out my own portable vac system and I vac the pool slowly to waste. How long that takes depends on the pool size. Usually what, 30 minutes or so for a slow vac to waste. I end up losing maybe four inches of water in the process, which I top off before I leave. My whole time on site, maybe an hour to an hour and a half at now most. Now, you're talking about port. when you say portable vacuum system, you're not talking like a Riptide or a Hammerhead or anything else. You're talking like a pump no. and a filter set up on a cart with the, yes. with the hole, and then you vacuum it with the hose and the flat vacuum head. Gotcha. I was yes. going to ask you that because I was going to yes. ask, what if you have a pool that doesn't have a waste line or whatever? that's an issue. No, well, I don't want to use their stuff. I don't want to use their stuff at all because usually it's not strong enough to do what I need to that do. That is a good point. So if you're going to set yourself up to treat pools for green to cleans using aluminum sulfate and you're going to do this seriously as a new protocol of care for your company, I would suggest that we get the portable equipment. And no, if you use a Riptide oh, or a Hammerhead and you send this stuff, all you're going to do is stir everything yeah. all back up again. And guess what? It doesn't mean it's going to reflock by itself and settle back out. You might have to treat the whole thing over again. So here's the thing. I spent an hour and a half on site, did not replace the water, charged the exact same amount of money to do this job as the drain and fill people that spent, what, a day and a half on site? Yeah. More? Yeah, because there's so much more work. I was cleaning other pools in that time. So not only was I winning the bids... Not only was I on the site less time, it was more profitable, and I was cleaning even more pools during that time that they were still scrubbing walls. And I mean, how therapeutic is a real good slow vac to waste? I mean, come on. Apparently, the people on TikTok think it's you. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Now, that doesn't mean that you should never drain. That doesn't (laughs) mean that I'm anti-drain and refill, because I am not. There are times that you need to do that. There are times that there's just too much debris in the pool and just treating it with alum is not going to work. You need a slow vac to waste. If you've got sticks, twigs, and friggin' leaf bags full of leaves in there, Mm, it's mm -hmm. not going to be the best choice. No. So you might want to drain and fill then. And of course, anytime you drain and refill a pool, you should not do that unless you are a licensed, if necessary, and insured always. Get me sure you have pop-up insurance to drain and refill that pool. You have to be. And you should also be familiar with water tables and well points if this yes. is something that you're going to do. Because if that sucker comes out of the ground, <laughs> it's going to suck because a pool without water is what? A boat. Yeah, it's going to float. Exactly. That water pressure will push that a son boat. of a bitch right up out of the ground. So we don't <laughs> want that either. Did you know that alum can also be used to quickly kill swimming pool black algae? 
find algae killing methods like this and more in Rudy's book, How to Get Rid of Swimming Pool Algae, available on Amazon.com. When we return, Rudy and Andrea talk about how to lower cyanuric acid levels without the need to drain water from the pool. Here's the deal. So I started doing some experiments back in the tail end of 2018. This is coming off of the, um, not experiments, but research. Well, I guess they were experiments at the time. I was doing some research on black algae. We know about that. That's where my algae research led to that book that I have on Amazon. Following that research, I went into trying to find a way to chemically lower cyanuric acid. And by the summer of 2019, I had actually come across something that I was having some success with it. The international trade show in Louisiana in 2019 was when I announced what I was doing and spoke of the success that I was having. And it was was fairly well received at the time. Initially, initially you were there, you were sitting right in the front, which was cool. So 2019, I make this announcement. So a couple, about a month later, mm-hmm. I reach out to pretty much everybody in several of the Facebook groups. And this is the easiest way to contact a lot of people really quick and ask for people to help me with more field research. I know it's anecdotal, but we need the raw yep. evidence because that's where these things start. You have the raw evidence. And then from there, it goes somewhere else, right? The science to this, to that. So we start having folks do this and everyone starts reporting back. Hey, the cyanuric acid level dropped quite a bit, right? So, and it was the results were anywhere from 20 parts per million to 100 parts per million that these numbers lowered, depending on how people added the aluminum sulfate and how they, what the pH was exactly and stuff like that. So, there's a lot of different factors and we're fine tuning it, but we did find Mm -hmm. that sweet spot and over and over again. And again, John, John Poma, he's done a lot with this and he's really done a lot of research with this one. I think he's been using aluminum sulfate in every single one of his pools. Oh, wow. cool. And he keeps coming back consistently at about a 70 part per million drop in cyanuric acid by using aluminum sulfate. And now the process is pretty much the same as the green to clean that we did. The only difference here is the dose. So instead of going with four pounds to six pounds higher per 10,000 gallons, we use eight pounds of aluminum sulfate per 10,000 gallons of water, which is the exact same dose that your water treatment centers use. That gives us 100 parts per million of aluminum sulfate, which gives us about 25 parts per million of aluminum in the water. So aluminum, when we add it into the water, it actually, aluminum sulfate, when we add it into the water, it splits into aluminum and sulfate. We know that. Water's H2O, which also can split into hydrogen and hydroxide. We were talking about this before. The aluminum ions then combine with the hydroxide ions. That's when we get the flock. The flock is aluminum hydroxide. You with me so far? So, yes. And now it just occurred to me that this it, now is this going to leave behind yes. the sulfites, salt which water. are bad for yes. So we don't recommend this in salt pools. For the salt systems, okay. And the aluminum ions combine with the hydroxide ions, and they form aluminum hydroxide. That's the flock. That's the insoluble flock that settles to the bottom. Now, this is what we believe to be happening. Okay. So when we add that, 
you're familiar with purplish red complexation of metals with cyanuric acid, right? You've been, you've heard of copper cyanurate. Of course. You've heard of copper cyanurate <laughs> nearly the yes. entirety of the time you've been in the pool industry, correct? Yes. So, and that's when you get that purplish red <laughs> blotchy yes. precipitation, which actually underneath a microscope looks like little crystals of amethyst. Isn't it purple? Underneath a microscope. So it's pretty cool. And yes, <clears throat> reddish purple. Yes. So. Which is purple. It really does have a deep red tint to that purple. <laughs> it's not red. So do you know how, hey. We were arguing about colors before, Rudy. I think we just have different eyes. I'm sure that we do. But isn't that I would thing? like while I'm going on with this for you to look up <laughs> what color combination makes purple. Red and Whoa! blue. There is red in there. Nice. <laughs> yeah, okay, thank you. So, all right. So that means there's also blue. Check this out. So if copper <laughs> can combine with cyanuric acid that is in solution and form copper cyanurate, we know this for a fact that that's what happens. That's what gives you that reddish yes. purple blotchy staining. <laughs> and we know silver can do the same thing. But silver turns black, right? Yes. But why can't aluminum do that? And guess what? We're pretty sure that it does. And at first, it was just a theory. Perfect Sorry. timing. At first, it's just a theory. <laughs> but we actually did find. So we actually found documented research from, get this, the Russian Journal of Coordination Chemistry, where they had actually used aluminum sulfate to complex with cyanuric acid. By adding aluminum sulfate, they ended up with aluminum cyanurate, which is insoluble, which precipitated out. And that's 100% what we believe we're doing. Now, check this out. We also got kudos because we caught a lot of shit on this for a long time, right? The folks who have mm -hmm. tried it and done it think it's great. The folks who have not have given us heck. Some not, but a lot have. And some of it's been, well, you know, they've been really giving us a lot of shit, really. But... I was going to say, when did we start censoring ourselves? <laughs> because we're trying not to be naughty. So, oh. <laughs> so anyway, so this past week was the World Aquatic Health Conference. And in that, we got a nod. One of the scientists there did a presentation. He spoke on cyanuric acid in water and named this aluminum sulfate method of cyanuric acid removal as a very promising means of reducing the cyanuric oh, cool. acid level of swimming pools, which I think is super cool. And especially to have it presented yeah, somewhere nice. like that, that's some major nods, some major kudos, and the major appreciation to everybody who went out there in the field and, and just started doing this just to, you know what, to better the pool industry. Have fun. Well, whether it was fun or not, I mean, the whole yeah. goal was the betterment of the pool industry, aside from expensive solutions. <sighs> Which is fun. It is fun. And, you know, not in every – the goal wasn't like this is what you do in everybody's backyard. The goal was to test this. You know what? Realistically, there are pools in the United States that they cannot drain due to water restrictions or other things going – especially out on the West Coast, California, who – see water mm -hmm. restrictions time and time again they can't drain the pools they can't refill the pools so something along this lines as a means of eliminating cyanuric acid or reducing the levels so that way that their pools can be in balance their chlorine will work better this is huge it's phenomenal and as this grows in popularity i'm excited to see more um scientific confirmation of my theories and of the re of the research everybody's been doing here on that one. 
Yeah, congratulations. That's awesome. Well, you know, it's it's I'm not a, it's it's not just me. You know, I, I everybody's great success well, pushed to, it to move to forward. Everybody, so, yeah. And for, yeah. Um, what about TDS? Is that is that well, considered everything? It, it's going to depend on what it can pull out of solution and what it cannot. You know, basically anything that's not dissolved, the alum is going to drop out. Things that are dissolved, like this cyanuric acid, that was one of the arguments against it. How can aluminum sulfate pull something out of solution? Well, the evidence is copper cyanuric because mm. copper can pull cyanuric acid out of solution. Silver can pull it out of solution. So then why not aluminum pulling it out of solution, which is where I came up with my theory, which was later then backed by this. Seifer is the gentleman's name who wrote this, who did these uh, this research for the Russian Journal of, of Chemistry. But the other stuff that's in solution is going to depend upon what it is, how much of it aluminum sulfate can actually remove from the water. So we, we, we okay, need gotcha. to do some extreme testing um, to see. So hear that, everybody? Get ready. We're going to do another test. I always have something in mind. I don't know if it's alum related. It could be. You never know. So, but yeah, so we have that. So that's super cool. Send Rudy your pool water. <laughs> it's a for you and me. Like we said earlier at the beginning of the show, um, you know, leave us questions. I, I love the questions. I said it before. Join our group. You know, you can always ask us questions there. Leave us reviews. Follow us on all the socials. We love it. The questions are Andrea's favorite part. Absolutely. It's, it's fun. Without a yeah. doubt. It's like a, tw- it's like a test. It is, well, it is kind of like a test, isn't it? But you know what? Yeah. It mm-hmm. actually gives us that kind of, you know, another level of communication. We all learn together. I think. So, which brings us all just a little bit closer. So, enjoy your Christmas tomorrow. Happy Christmas Eve for you. And then for everybody listening as well, I hope you all have a safe and merry Christmas to you and yours. And the same goes for me. Happy holidays to everybody. Merry Christmas. Um, You know, hope everyone stays safe and enjoys their family time. So that's it. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 